Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Techno Wizard. It is Saturday, September 2nd, 1127 AM 2023. Here we go, another episode. And um, this episode, I think I want to just jump into creating better worlds, better futures what those look like you know really get into detail i feel like i've been doing that a little bit here and now here and there but not really delving deep into it and exploring kind of different concepts so i want to try to do some of that today um and see where it goes a big reason for that is because like as i've been trying to get more into creating and things like that uh i keep seeing which which i've stated before uh that i the type of things I want to create is essentially these better worlds, right? Like, I want to create not just the better worlds, but the tools to create those better worlds. And so, talking about it in this manner allows me to kind of crystallize some of those thoughts, or at least kind of jog my thoughts, right? Because oftentimes when I sit down and try to write it out, it just doesn't come to me as well as when I'm walking around and talking and stuff like that. Um, and I get really, really frustrated just sitting down at a computer, you know, looking at my screen, you know, trying to figure out how to create a better world and stuff like that. Both because, again, writing just doesn't feel like the, the right avenue for, at least not to start. And the tools available to me, as I've mentioned many times before, is just not ideal. It's, it's not exhilarating. It's not motivating. It's not inspiring. It's very, very frustrating. So, yeah. Um... I want to try and do some of these activities today just just play around with some ideas so even though i have you know expressed some of these ideas in prior podcasts i still have not actually written down you know a lot of these concepts and so i'm hoping that after today my my, my kind of my mind will be you know um triggered enough i don't know if that's the word i'm looking for but my mind would be stimulated i guess we could say that uh in this way so that i can sit down and just jot some of these down or listen back to this and jot some stuff down and then see what i can build from there i think in the next steps after this also will be to use the tools that i do have at hand to just create some very simple visualizations you know everything from figma to um that's really what I only thing I really use. But I was even thinking like uh, Valheim, Valheim, or even No Man's Sky. Um, I've been wanting to play those games, but I don't want to. Honestly, don't want to just play them just to play them. Um, I want to create in those games, just to practice creating things, right, with different tools. So I might try to visualize some some of these ideas there. Um, also, Blender. I was thinking about just going ahead and biting a bullet and trying to learn how to use Blender. Um, and maybe if I'm really, if I, want, if I really want to get saucy with it, you know, I might try to get back into Unreal or Unity. So we'll see where this goes. Um, before I start, one second, because somebody's uh, texting me. Okay, okay, here we go. Um, forgot where I was gonna start. Let's just let's just start with uh, what I've what I've said already in past episodes. So um. A big thing that I oft, often talk about is, of course, the 
the walkable cities and urban environments and things like that because that's you know where i live specifically the suburb suburban environments really the suburbs so start there um i mentioned before that i think a good kind of way to begin creating these 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 better worlds is by starting with these suburban um enclaves because a lot of the worst aspects of our current society does involve uh, suburbia right things like urban sprawl the and the reason why this is especially so bad is because it's it's terrible both both uh are three-way right like with um the environment with human kind of society like social aspects and psych- psych- psychologically as well as socially which is a little bit different than psychologically and here's what i mean right um it's terrible for the environment because we end up destroying tons and tons of native you know land whether it be forests uh eco- well all sorts of ecosystems right because you have to destroy or they destroy a lot of it and then build up these these houses and put them in streets and all this other stuff it's a bunch of chemicals and a uh, bunch of destruction going on, a bunch of pollution, all this, that, and the other, right? So that's the obvious one. But it's also, oh, that's another one I forgot. Economically, it's also bad economically, right? Um, and then there's also the psychological aspect and the social aspect. Um, it's really terrible because it creates this sort of isolationist mentality, right? This idea that you are your own, you know, you're, you're, on, the, you're on your own, right? And you have your little house which is like your own little castle your own fiefdom and your, your little yard <laughs> and theoretically you can do whatever you want there but oftentimes that's not the case because many people as much as what 50 percent if not more people are renters so <laughs> they're very limited with that and many other people live in a neighborhood with the hoa right with the homeowners association and they make all sorts of dumb rules usually like exactly when you have to cut your grass and where you put your trash can and what you what you can do in your yard and where you can build your fence and uh, and you know gardens i mean all sorts of things right and so that is very limiting in terms of your freedom but also in terms of your ability to socialize with other with your neighbors because in many of these neighborhoods there is no central or you know organizing you know place or event for people to meet on a regular basis right very few places that i'm aware of at least have these sorts of regular events or or parks or things like that within a neighborhood where many if not all neighbors uh, or people in that neighborhood would come together and be able to meet each other and so Oftentimes, you go day by day in your little house, go to your work or go to the store or whatever, and then go back to your little house. You know, you might see people on the way out or on the way in, um, or if you walk or, you know, might chance upon them at the store or at school or something like that. But that's about it, right? It's not like a, <laughs> it, it's nothing like how humans have developed community for thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years. Right. And so evolutionary wise, it's terrible for our psychology. And you can see this in the numbers of depression, of loneliness, of anxiety, of um, um, xenophobia. Right. All of that plays into this isolationist mentality. 
And it's also bad economically because these streets are not sustainable, right? No city has makes enough income to be able to maintain its own streets, right? Oh my gosh. Sorry, this freaking U-Haul truck came in and tried to do a U-turn and hit our <laughs> freaking sign. Always one thing, right? Always something. But um, anyway, so... Yeah, no city is able to upkeep their own maintenance of not only the streets, but also the infrastructure for the, the water and electricity, right? Lines that go to each house. All of that is, <laughs> is, is, uh, is um, what's subsidized by um the by new development right the money is made with new development that's why you always see more and more new neighborhoods cropping up even though right we, we they say we have a housing crisis right but <laughs> the amount of houses that you can create through these developments are never enough <laughs> right so you're constantly just building 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 more and more and then all the while you still have this housing crisis because the housing prices are going up, right? The place I'm living in right now is about 40 minutes to an hour from the city. And about a couple of years ago, it cost maybe, um, I don't know, anywhere from 1200 to 2000 you know, to, to, to rent around here, probably, and, and even buying a house, right? Maybe 200000 or something like that, or two fifty. Now, when you look at the housing prices, two thousand is a minimum. Two thousand is a minimum to rent around here, and the housing prices might be three fifty or some other stuff, right? Like it's, it's crazy how it inflated in only a couple years, in only like three, two to three years. And all the while, nothing has really changed. Like the only thing that's changed is they're building more developments. It's not a better place to live. Right, there's not more amenities. They're building a giant plaza, right, with a, a theater and a Costco and apartment complex. But that's it. Like, <laughs> it's not actual place that you want to spend time. It's not a, a a big enough place for you to want for, for for the the rent in this entire area to you know go up so much. And all the while, we still have traffic, which is going to get worse and worse. You know, we have tons of other issues these and the bug problem is going to get worse because they're destroying all these forests so all the bugs you know the water bugs and all this other stuff the ants the the um the cicadas and cicada hunters and you know all these all these animals are going to be going into your houses <laughs> right or they're going to be trying to use a bunch of pesticides and insecticides and all this other stuff to try and kill them off which makes our environment even worse right so it's a vicious cycle. So anyways, I didn't mean to just spend a bunch of time rehashing stuff that people are, should already know. But the point in, in saying all this is that this is a very in prime space to, to, to start with making the world a better place. And I think that starts with changing the zoning law such that, or even just doing it without that, <laughs> which is harder to do and more risky, but it's, it's doable. But um, turning these neighborhoods into little cities right so instead of you living in a neighborhood where there's only a bunch of single family houses instead you can have some of these houses be used for um stores 
right? For little grocery stores, for, you know, little convenience stores, for um, this, that, and the other, whatever, you know, the community needs, right? And it, it could be, it could start as simple as allowing people to simply start a store in their garage, right? Um, to eventually the point where people can turn that, can ten, turn that garage store into an actual, you know, business. And then on top of that, uh, encouraging more community gardens, right? So instead of just building a bunch of land uh, for, for more development, you, number one, it, well, before I get to that, yeah, community gardens, right? So many of us have background, oh, goodness, backyards and front yards, which are pretty sizable in this part of Georgia. And it's, it's true for many, many suburban areas outside of the most, you know, places like New York or New Jersey. Well, even in New Jersey, like people, <laughs> they have suburbs with a bunch of land. And even in New York and like Long Island, the same thing, right? Because um, that's the whole appeal of a suburb is you have more yard. But most people don't actually use their yard for anything. <laughs> right? I'm just looking at tons and tons of yardage. And only remarkable thing is that everybody's yard is green, right? And because that's only because, you know, you get feeds if you don't uh, cut your yard and do all this other stuff. But it's a, it's a, it's a complete waste, right? You're just wasting money. you poisoning the land because you have to put insecticides or something like that. Um, you know, all sorts of problems. So instead, we should encourage people to build or to, to, to grow, right, little mini um, food forests, like a little uh, indigenous you know, basically plant the type of foods that are indigenous to the, the, the area, which are, which therefore means they're easier to grow, right? This is the whole point of using indigenous plants because they don't need as much water or as much, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, feed, right? Like, like nutrients that um, plants that are not indigenous might, might need. Granted, they will still struggle because this is no longer as indigenous as it used to be, right? Because the ecosystem has been destroyed, right? There's not as much trees. There's not as much um, local local uh, um, animals and things like that or insects, right? That usually do all of the, 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 the basically, the care for that environment, plus all the, the freaking chemicals. But indigenous plants still have a better chance, right? So we should allow more people to simply um, grow these indigenous foods in their yards, right? And if you can't do it, right, just let other people grow in your yard, <laughs> right? You can have, say, you can have a little plot and say, hey, come here, build here, right? I can't do it, but here, you can, you can go ahead and do that, right? It's just open for business. Come grow in my yard, right? So something simple like that, not only does it encourage um, more use of this yardage, but it also encourages more social or uh, um, organization, right? More social relationship building. And the next thing I was going to say as well is then, instead of just building only single-family houses, build multi-family houses, right? There's no reason why we can't have a block, right, in each of these neighborhoods be for multi-family or a couple of them, right? Or a couple houses every now and then, right? Interspersed throughout the neighborhood be multi-family houses and what that means is like it's an actual comp it could be like a uh well there's different ways to do it right the one i personally like is the idea of like a courtyard type of house where they have like in in spain or in africa many different places in africa and stuff like that where you have um 
this kind of uh, courtyard in the middle and kind of either it could be individual buildings around it or one big building kind of encircling that courtyard right and so different people they can all be related live in that complex right your whole your whole extended family your grandma your mom your 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 uncles and aunts your cousins whatever right they can all live in this area or you can make it almost like a compartment apartment type of complex where you have different families living in the same area uh, but yeah there's different ways you can do this it doesn't just have to be at that courtyard style it can also be you know um, like a townhouse um, townhomes and things like that or you can you can even have mid-rise apartments right and this is going to be the hardest one to swing for some for many nimbies and stuff like that because they swear that if you build a mid-rise apartment or it's going to block out the sky and it's going to be terrible and look ugly and all this other stuff but the truth is most people don't even know what mid-rise apartments look like are because <laughs> in america at least it's all either these these low-rise you know the same cookie cutter five by one um um, things, are they, I guess that's technically technically sort of mid-rise. Low-rise is more like two stories or something like that. But people think that the only mid-rise you can have are these these freaking stupid cookie-cutter five-by-one you know apartments that you see in most downtown stations, which end up all looking the same and, and they they call them luxury, but it's crappy. <laughs> it just has a you know a sort of pretty facade, but sort of not. It's just kind of bland. But really, you could have like brownstones. <laughs> I know that's more expensive to do, but um, it is doable, right? Especially if we if we reuse many of the, the 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 stones or the you know construction materials that we usually use to build you know these giant buildings. Instead, use it for these mid-rise apartments um, that could be more affordable, um, and you have more people able to come into the area so you have it's a little bit more dense um and because of that right and at the same time rather it should you should be encouraging more walkability throughout your neighborhood right because you're gonna have more things to walk to <laughs> it's gonna be more of a reason to actually walk because you can go to this little grocery store that's right down the street that's literally right down the street like a, literally a two-minute walk right not a drive right and as you do that, as you make places more walkable, you can move the streets out of your neighborhood, right? So instead of having these streets that are make the roads dangerous for your children to play in, which is why most people, most parents don't want their children to be playing outside because it is dangerous. These goddamn cars. <laughs> um, instead, you can have streets like on the exterior of many of these neighborhoods and houses, right? So I'm looking right now at a apartment complex they're building behind this apartment complex, right? For no goddamn reason, because this apartment complex is already very big, and there's already quite a few houses that are always derelict, <laughs> right? Um, or always rotating out. So instead, if we built some mid-rise apartments here in this complex, right, and then use that area that they already cut down as a street, as a, as a back street access, to this complex then that means you can park your cars or you can have like a little roads back behind this complex and then these roads here can just be used for like I said walkable things uh, little bike lanes and things like that little stores little storage units you know whatever you want right it opens up the streets 
And it also means um, if, you're, if we're still using taxes and all this other stuff, in my ideal world, we don't have to pay taxes, but if we're still using this <laughs> taxes because it's a gradual thing, right? That means the tax revenue will be way, way more because way more people can fit in this neighborhood. And that's true for every single neighborhood. And you can get tax revenue from the businesses that will be opening up in the neighborhood. So you have tons of more tax revenue and less costs because you don't have to spend every year to resurface the streets, right? Or to fix, you know, or to, to fix somebody's pipe that only goes to one yard. Instead, you have these pipes and these electricity and all this other stuff that goes to, you know, many, like this uh, mid-rise complex, like I said. And so it's, it's more bang for your buck, right? And then, you know, as you go, you can then build um, energy, little energy, you know, units, right? It could be a solar panel, right? It could be a little hydro dam if you're close to a little river. It could be, um, some people are even figuring out how to make garage-sized nuclear facilities. Now, I'm not sure if that's real or like, <laughs> or like feasible, but maybe that could be a thing, right? Or you can have, you know, wind, wind, little wind, uh, what do you call them? Wind, not wind tunnels, goodness. You know what I mean, like the little wind turbines. There we go. Um, but you have a, a bunch of these different types of ways of making energy within the neighborhood. So solar, wind, hydro, maybe even nuclear, right? Um, and all that will open up the neighborhood, right? And make it more self-sufficient. So you can do all these things within that neighborhood. So that neighborhood becomes a micro village, a micro city. Well, I'll say village, right? Cause city kind of... It's a totally different thing, but micro micro village, a little town, and um, I think this is is a very doable way of doing things, right? Especially in places that are not like Georgia, <laughs> in terms of being more land on land uh, or more tenant friendly, right? Unfortunately, in Georgia, it's a landowner state, so it's extremely hard for tenants to do things without the permission of the landowners. Um, any courts would side with the landowners, even if the tenants are actually doing something really good, right? But maybe we, at least in Georgia, we do have a lot of land to play with. So there is, there's, there's a lot of experiments that we can do. There's a lot of stuff that we can do here. Um, but unfortunately, it will take some effort to either bypass some of these <laughs> laws, regulations, and bullcrap, or um, to change them, right? But yeah, that, so that's one idea there, right? A gradual way of turning any suburban area, suburban wasteland, really, into a vibrant, beautiful, uh, self-sufficient micro-village. Eco-village, too, right? Because um, that's a big point. The more that you share, the more that you come together and you know build together, share resources and things like that, the more eco-friendly that you become, right? So as you... Then as you naturally build as you build these things, you naturally will help the environment more because now you're no longer having to build more and more developments and more and more land, right? Taking more of that land. Instead, you can use already developed land that is just being wasted <laughs> to you know uh, to to make it more dense, to make it more efficient. And as you're doing that, more people will be able to come out and more people have again a reason to come out you'll have more 
uh, fraternization, if you want to use that word, right, with everybody in your neighborhood. And if it's more accessible, if it's more affordable for more types of people, then you can have more diverse people coming in. Now, of course, many NIMBYs already be like, oh, no, uh, the diversity is terrible, blah, 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 blah. But uh, <laughs> the, the, the big reason why, quote, unquote, diversity is associated with um, crime or this, that, and the other is because we live in fucking wastelands, right? We live in food deserts. We live in areas where if you do live in a, for instance, a, quote, unquote, affordable neighborhood, which is really like a, um, a place where they're trying to basically a legalized ghetto right and by ghetto i don't mean like in the in the common parlance i meant in the original sense of the word where people created an area to force a bunch of minorities into so that they don't have to associate with it so you know the uh um affluent folks don't have to associate with them and because of that you know the people in that area have a lack of resources a lack of anything and it, and it's really hard to upkeep so they yeah it becomes a place um, where crime happens or different things of that nature happen. Um, and that's where the term, you know, ghetto comes from. In, in terms of, you, you ghettoize things, right? You turn it into a place where, where nobody really wants to live, but they're forced to live there, right? But if you open up places, if you make it more, if you make resources more accessible, then people have less of a, of a reason to even consider doing any sort of crime, right? Um, and so these places become diverse places where different types of people live from different backgrounds, different neighborhoods, or you know, different ethnicities or walks of life or whatever. And so when you're associating with these people on a regular basis, just doing regular things, going to the store, building gardens, you know, building uh, facilities and things like that together then people can see that oh they're just like me they're just another person right like um it's not that serious right a big reason for the massive resurgence of racism and xenophobia right is the same reason why xenophobia and racism existed uh prior to you know in, in the past in the first place is because of these places where people live in isolated areas with only people that looked and th thought like them and if you looked or thought differently, then you were often, you know, ostracized or castigated or whatever, depending on the community, right? Some communities, well, often, often, yeah. If it was a, if it was a, um, what do you call it? Settled community, right? Where people didn't really go anywhere, where you didn't have much visitors, anything like that. Yeah, those those are cesspools for xenophobic, you know, type of type of outlooks. Um, but wherever you find places that are more, you know, um, mobile or or have more imports and exports, right, have more people coming through, have more trade coming through, then those places tend to be more diverse and more open and friendly to diverse peoples and ideas. And those places tend to progress faster because you have more ideas coming in and able to mix and be able to innovate, right? So that's why it's really important to create environments that foster diversity so that you can have um, more more uh, friendly attitudes towards different types of people right and more innovation of course so yeah that's 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 one idea there um, another thing to consider 
and this this really goes into um, a question. Uh, shout out to Jordan, you know, posed to me on on our Discord. He was like, uh, I had some ideas for like anarchist businesses. Um, what what are some of the examples of that, right? Because as I mentioned before, the idea of business itself is not exclusive to capitalism, right? The problem with capitalism is not businesses, and businesses are not you know do not exist because of capitalism right businesses existed far 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 before capitalism right um a business is simply a group of people or even a person right that decides to give goods and goods or services to other people right to provide those goods and services to other people oftentimes yes in exchange for some some for something but that something doesn't have to be money right it could be other goods and services or it could be gifts or it could be goodwill, or it could just be because you you enjoy doing it, right? <laughs> uh, businesses, a business is just a, a a a you know a set way to solve a problem, right? Just being committed to solving a problem, right? Or providing a service or whatever. And so, in my mind, a better world, an anarchist world, would have anarchist businesses, <laughs> right? And these businesses would essentially be um, either a group of people, a person, or whatever, that decide to say, "Okay, here's a problem that we want to solve. Here's how we can solve it." But the important differences with today's businesses is number one, the internal structure will be, you know, more flat, where instead of having a boss and managers and all this other stuff, you simply have people <laughs> who, you know, have different skills. And you say, okay, maybe your skill is project management, your skills design, your skills development, your skills marketing, their skills this, that, and the other, right? And so each person will be in charge of uh, their their tasks, right? Their um, whatever circle of tasks that their skill is in, obviously, right? Um, and so the the idea is that usually people people assume that you need like for instance a leader right like this uh, job of CEO whatever is to tell other people <laughs> what to do to align people on the mission essentially right and because of that they should be or not really just because of that but also because the idea is that you know CEO of some sort whatever is risking more right maybe they put a bunch of money into it or whatever um, or they came up with the idea therefore they're risking more or whatever so their reward should be bigger but that is often not the case. <laughs> very, very often not the case, right? Um, in reality, well, often we can just look around. You see, you see the fucking reality. Like if you ever worked at a place, <laughs> you see the reality, right? Your manager, your your boss, or whatever is oftentimes not a good leader. Oftentimes not really doing much. Oftentimes not really, it's not really fair that they get ten times the reward, the salary, or whatever that you get. Um, whether that be a big company or a small one, it's almost always true. Very rarely, in the cases of startups, you do have a you know a leader or, or something like that, or a founder who is really talented and who has a lot of gumption, who does do a lot of things and stuff like that. But even then, right, giving them all the reward or most of the reward or whatever, or an improportionate amount of the reward, is what destroys the company. Is what turns the company into. Um, something like Facebook or Twitter just just becomes a cesspool of crap, right? 
because that leader that quote-unquote leader that quote-unquote founder or whatever who was talented or maybe who did have some good ideas gets all up in their ass <laughs> gets their head shoved up their own ass because there's nobody to tell them no there's nobody to be like actually we shouldn't go in this direction or actually you know i don't like that right there's very they, they get less and less they get more and more in the echo chamber right and less and less people um that are able or willing to tell them no or to correct them or to do this that and the other right and so those businesses become less and less innovative and become more and more monopolies or um, dictatorial type places and whatever and so they function on momentum on becoming bigger and bigger because our current system encourages businesses not to innovate but to monopolize right to eat up other things to eat up other ideas to lock things behind a closed garden ip this that and the other and so this is why you see less and less innovation um, these days, even when new technology comes out like VR or AI, the use cases there are just mostly hype, mostly smoke and mirrors, right? When you look around, they say, okay, AI is changing the world. Where is it changing the world, right? Can you point to me how AI has helped you, you know, be better with your bills or your health or this, that, and the other? Like, oftentimes it just makes things worse or it's very, very niche use cases that is useful, like maybe coming up with a bunch of ideas or, you know, making a marketing scam so you can scam a bunch of people to give give you get you more money that way <laughs> but anyways um all that to say i think a better business would be one where you have these kind of um uh, different roles but also or, or i should say this even though delegation of roles is good it's not going to be exclusive to that, right? Because there are such things as generalists like myself or other folks, right? Where you might have people who can do multiple things. And so in those businesses, right? Or even in the same business where you have both uh, delegation of roles and people who like to do many different things, you can have a task-based type of system, right? Where people can elect to do different tasks that need to be done within that business, right? Um, furthermore, you have, uh... oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. So leaders, there is people who are really good at managing other people, right? At leading, at um, keeping people aligned on the mission, on the values or whatever, this, that, and the other. That doesn't mean that they get rewarded more, right? It just means that their set of skills is in that realm, right? Versus you know, being a programmer or a designer or this, that, and the other, or artist or whatever, right? So, just like you wouldn't necessarily pay, you know, an artist way more, you know, than everybody else in your business, <laughs> right? You wouldn't pay uh, a person who is doing the quote-unquote leading way more than everybody else in the business, right? Because without those other people in the business, they wouldn't have anybody to lead anyways, right? Like, their skills is kind of useless, right um so it's it's that's the point here it's 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 not that one is better than the other right it's that they come together to create something really amazing and so the important aspect here is to foster these sorts of relationships is to foster um companionship and cooperation teamwork right and uh some people might say oh but but how would you encourage people to do more work or 
or reward people for their innovation, blah, 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 right? But <laughs> for some reason, these people fail to recognize that vast majority of people, right, do this work not merely because they want the rewards, but because they enjoy the work, <laughs> right? And it's only because we live in a world where you need money to live that you care about money in the first place, right? If we are building this world where people share more resources more freely, right? Where you can walk around and have a, a community garden. You can just pick up the food there, no charge, right? Where most of the food, most of the resources, most of the energy, most of the, you know, clothes, whatever else that you want to get. Most of that is either provided for free or as just a part of living and being a, participating in a community, right? Then your needs, right? Your, your material needs are so small, or I should say it this way, the things in which you would need something like money for, some sort of currency, right? Some sort of extra, you know, amounts of income, right? That level would be so low that it doesn't really matter how much you get paid on a job, or at least not that much, right? Like, there, there will be no actual reason for you to need to demand a certain level of income because most of your needs will be met just by living in that area but even in a, in our current world right even in our current world where you do need income and this that and the other it still behooves you to build these sorts of anarchistic companies right because it encourages more people to want to work at a company where they know that everything is transparent everything is fair Right, everything is is open and equal. Right, I just think about it. If you have a company A, that is like every other company today, <laughs> you know, you have quote unquote competitive, you know, packages uh, uh, for pay and this, that, and the other, um, versus company B, which is equal. Like right? everybody gets paid roughly the same or something like that. I say roughly for right now. I'll get back to that shortly. But um, everybody gets paid basically the same. Um, and you can see the pricing when you go in, like you can see, okay, this is how much we're making. This is how much we pay, um, uh, each other or ourselves and this, that, and the other, you know, boom. Oftentimes, most people will probably go for company B, right? Unless company A is doing something that you want to be doing more than company B, right? If they're both doing the same thing, most people will probably choose company B, right? Even if the income is a little bit lower than company A. Right, because at company A, <laughs> that price tag, if you're at least if you're knowledgeable, let me let me back up because this happens even today, right? People think they want a, a job that pays a bunch of money, and then they start working there, and it's like, oh, this is fucking miserable, right? Because in those companies that pay you a bunch of comp comp uh, ah, a quote unquote competitive package, right? Those companies are fucking cutthroat, are miserable, right? They don't care about you, right? You are working in this place that's highly political, that you can get backstabbed for any type of reason, that they do all these unethical business practices. You have to, you know, every morning, if you're any type of decent person, you, you have to kind of get up the energy to be like, oh, I guess I got to go back into this, you know, today type of thing. You know, you get overworked um, and it's and it's all of that is encouraged because you're getting paid so much. Right. So. The idea is that even if you're getting six figures or, or you know, um, or whatever, 
The idea is that you don't complain <laughs> because you're getting six figures, right? But if you ever worked in this, that, that sort of job or if you know people that have, you know that is not what it's cracked up to be. It's really not. And many, many of those people try to, you know, um, try to overcome that. They try to say it's worth it because you can now you have the money and you can do all these sorts of things. But oftentimes they either don't have the energy to do all these other sorts of things or, you know, they end up doing really bad things like, you know, becoming alcoholic or trying to go to a bunch of parties or, you know, um, taking really risky <laughs> type of behaviors or investing in other businesses, um, um, but not really, you know, doing anything themselves. Right. Oftentimes they feel like they don't have purpose. They start looking pessimistic about the world, you know, all these sorts of things. Right. Right. The knock on effects of that sort of environment is not at all good. Or healthy for the average human being those environments and um, really are best or maybe not best but like really um, are attractive to fucking psychopaths <laughs> all right this is why you find more of those people in those environments because that's you know that's what that environment is uh, capturing so instead if you have um, more of these co-op type of jobs and that's that's basically what i'm what i'm shooting for here right like a anarchistic business is essentially a co-op right where people again you have this transparency on on the the products being made the revenue and then people decide you know how much revenue is coming back to you and and that's the thing too right you can decide how much revenue is being used for salaries versus maybe investing back into um, maybe opening up more positions or buying or making new types of products or whatever, right? But the point is that everybody can make those choices together within that business. Um, and the reason why I said roughly being paid the same is because, yeah, to some people, a little bit of maybe they do need a little bit more income, right? Because of the uh, environment that they live in or whatever. And so there, there, could, there can be a dialogue about that right this is not some this is the whole point about anarchism right there's not some set rule that says you have to get this and that's it right like everybody gets paid the same the exact same dollar and cent amount like no nobody cares that much right the point here is that you encourage uh egalitarianism you you encourage consensus building you encourage relationship building right so if somebody comes in and says you know actually i like this place this is great but i do need a little bit more Right, because this, that, and the other, and like, okay, let me see what we can do. We like you too, you know. I think you'll be great here. Let's see what we can do. Right? Maybe you do a vote. Maybe you see what's in the what's in the um, the the bank or whatever, and you make those adjustments. And most people in that business, I assure you, would be fine. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, he, he he needs it. Sure, whatever. Right? Like this idea that people would automatically get jealous and you know wanna you know. Uh, um, want their income to get bigger too just because not because they need it but just because the other person has it you know all this is the most pessimistic stuff that only speaks to maladjusted people to narcissistic people right if you're building an environment where you are not attracting narcissists narcissists and psychopaths and things like that then most well-adjusted people We'll be fine, <laughs> right? They don't care if another person's getting paid a little bit more if it's transparent and it's evident why, right? If you don't have to, you know, come up with the explanation in your mind that 
that is, you know, probably not true. That's another thing too, right? A lot of businesses today um, don't share their salary with the, the people in the company, which is ridiculous because now you have this kind of, you have this a little bit of a level of just, oh, I'm not that much, I'm not that important here or, you know, you're just never really sure if you're as if you're valued as much as your peers and that feeling makes it hard for you to really care as much or for you for you to work as hard because you're like uh, maybe what if i'm being paid less <laughs> right than developers for instance right because and that's the other side of this too right the idea of um um supply and demand right the idea of oh this this specific um job type this specific skill set is more in demand and so should, they should get paid more right just because they're more in demand but again the the reality is if your company is doing something that people care for then you're going to attract people who want to work there regardless of of you know the pay as long as it's not too far below what they really need in their life right and so if you need you know a certain skill set then you're going to attract the the type of people who want to work there even if their skill is more in demand right so for instance programmers which is um a little bit less nowadays because of all this ai stuff maybe not i don't know but um a big thing for a while was was uh um developers of course you know they usually get paid a lot more because their their skill set is more in demand and all this other stuff but again if you're working at a place if you if that programmer let's say that from the perspective of the programmer right whose skills in demand if they want if they know what type of job they want to work at they know the type of culture they want to be in then they're going to find a company that does that thing that has that culture that does the type of stuff that they want to do even if that they're they're going to be paid less there than if they work at some big company who's going to pay them a whole bunch more once again, as long as that programmer feels like they can still, you know, do what they need to do in their life, um, they're probably going to choose that, that 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 smaller place. And we know this because it happens to this day, right? Even in our world where we where there isn't very much, you know, anarchistic or cooperative type of businesses, right? Like my company, for instance, right? It's a small company. Doesn't there's no six figure salaries or nothing like that. Um, but the type of people who work here want to work on the types of things that we do want to build simulations want to you know do cool stuff want to have a um a intimate type of you know culture want to you know be able to make friends with your culture want to have work-life balance this that all these other things right and so they chose to work here even though their skills are probably more you know quote-unquote in demand and they can probably get a higher paying job somewhere else right so the fact that it happens to this day right now <laughs> means that it definitely will happen even uh, especially if we have more cooperative type of companies so who all that <laughs> kind of describes you know i hope you know more of these what these what these companies look like um but even oh yeah that's that's the one last thing i want to cover on this is what types of things that that that, that these companies will work on it's important to note that a lot of the businesses today a lot of the quote-unquote products today are so terrible <laughs> because the market the quote-unquote market right doesn't really care for things that actually solve problems right this idea that technology solves problems that in that you know capitalism is all about 
you know, rewarding people that solve problems is complete bullshit. And you know this if you ever just downloaded an app. <laughs> just look at the app store, you know. How many of these apps actually solve problems, right? How many of them actually do things for you that actually makes your life better? And I don't mean you use the app because everybody else is using it or you use the app because it, you know, makes it so, so it's a little bit better or whatever. But in actuality, it doesn't actually make your life better. It feels like it does, but it doesn't actually do so for you, right? A good example of that is, is of course, any of these social media platforms, right? Where the idea of being able to connect with anybody around the world, be able to communicate with anybody around the world, be able to get news and information very quickly, you know, all these other things, that sounds like great ideas. That sounds like important problems to solve. But then, (laughs) but in actuality, it just creates an environment of, you know, what you see online, right? Where constant drama, constant fighting, constant bullshit, um, constant isol- isolation, constant distraction, you know, all this other stuff. And so the problem it's supposed to solve is not being solved. Why? Because they don't get money for that. They don't actually get rewarded for that. Companies today get rewarded, once again, for monopolization. Say it with me now, <laughs> Right? They get rewarded for growing. They get rewarded for looking like something that can give the investors 10x or 100x return on that investment, right? And so as long as it is something that can hook into somebody's mind and then they're using it constantly, right? That is a, is a good-looking product, right? Regardless of if it's actually helping people, <laughs> and in fact, it's funny too because when you watch, like, pitch. I used to watch a lot of Shark Tank or um, um, the Pitch. There was like this podcast about, you know, pitching startups. And I used to watch a lot of startup stuff, right? So I, I, I've been bit, I've been deep into this stuff. And very often, when you find a company that is actually doing something good, like a social good company, right? Like, oh wow, this this is. If this, if you're able to do this, this will actually change. This will actually help people, right? Oftentimes, investors don't want to invest in them, and they even say it in the thing. It's like, ah, uh, this is amazing type of company and all this other stuff. But I don't know about investing. I don't know how much money it will make, right? I, I don't feel good, you know, you know, putting all these dollars behind this, and uh, <laughs> we either may not get much in return, or you know, um. It would be better off if it was free or something like that. Like I don't feel comfortable charging people for this sort of thing. Like even they even they even have this like slightly ethical part where like I don't feel comfortable charging people for the service, right? Or creating a business where people be charged for the service. Like maybe it might be, you know, getting affordable affordable housing for people or getting food to people who don't have food or this that and the other. Right? Like many investors feel deeply uncomfortable. At least the the ethical the somewhat ethical investors as ethical as you can be as an investor like they feel uncomfortable with these types of businesses, right? Because they know that the best businesses are not ones that actually solve fucking problems. They're the ones that make it seem like you're solving a problem, but you're just giving people you know a, a, a drug, right? You're giving people a thing that they can constantly come back to get more of, right? Because like they say. You know, it sounds very pessimistic, but somebody said, uh, if you found the cure to cancer, right? And this is before they even had much, much of these types of cures that they have today. You're going to sell it in a piecemeal way. 
right? You're not going to just sell the cure to cancer that you take this one pill, whatever, and boom, your cancer is solved. You know, you're going to try to piece it out so that people can be on a lifetime or a long access of, of this process. And actually, of course, that was a bad example because cancer is really hard to, 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 to solve. So it, it does seem, at least it, it seems, maybe I might be wrong, but it's, I might have been bitten into the propaganda, but it seems like, you know, cancer does require drugs that take a long process because it is a difficult thing to, to solve with one in one go. There's no silver bullet type of thing that you can do there. But you do see this in many, many, in many types of things. A good example of this is, of course, insulin, right? Now, obviously, there, there probably isn't a way for people who have, you know, low blood sugar or, you know, um, diabetes and types of th- these things to instantly solve their problem with one drug. Or maybe there is, but people aren't doing research for it. So I don't know. But even so, there isn't a reason why they have to charge $200, $300, a bunch of money for people to get their insulin especially because when people who do need this usually can't afford that and and this is a life threatening thing so if they don't get their insulin they will die right and yet these businesses um are you know pricing these things so incredibly high that most many people will not be able to afford them right and when you actually look at their operating costs you see that they don't they really don't need to price it that high. They say, Oh, we have to cover the cost of R and D and all this other stuff. But in reality, all of that R and D or most of it was already subsidized by the government, right? The government gives our tax money to these companies, right? For them to do these sorts of R and D. And so they're not actually occurring, they're not actually accruing a cost, a hard cost that they came up with their own pockets for this money that they're trying to get back. They're getting free money. They're getting grants. Or they're getting really, really, really low interest loans. Right? And so... A loud ass truck. (laughs) Right? And so there's no actual reason for them to have to charge so much and try to get so much in return to cover those those costs. Because those costs aren't coming out of their pockets. Or they're not that high. Right? At least not compared to the, the prices that they're raking in. And when you actually look at it, you see that what these companies are doing is giving dividends back to their shareholders, right? And they'll, 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 they'll justify it. they say, oh, yeah, we're legally obligated, right? Our fiduciary, whatever, responsibility to, you know, give returns to the shareholders. And they're right because that's the fucking crooked-ass system that we live in that has been developed, that has been created by these lobbyists, and lobbyists, and that's a whole other thing, right? People literally spend millions and billions of dollars to legally um to legally goodness, what's the fucking term I'm looking for here? To legally basically pay people, pay these politicians to pay off these politicians, right? There's a there's a word for that. That in other places they like in Africa they say, Oh, oh it's terrible. You just pay off the politicians or whatever. Um but in America, it's it's legalized, like it's it's encouraged. It's called lobbying. Right? I can't believe I forgot the, the the word I'm looking for here. You probably remember it, but yeah. Anyways, all that to say, many of the businesses today, the types of products that they have, right, are oftentimes not really de- designed to solve a problem, because if you did solve that problem, right, 
if you made the bespoke experience to solve this person's problem or that group's problems or whatever once and for all then you will be out of business <laughs> right it happens all the time right a great another great example of this is the crock pot right or or the other one um um i think i was called by those plastic containers right that you put your food in at first they, they start getting super successful because everybody wants one whatever and it, and it helps people whatever and then they get to a, a a point where the market is saturated where everybody that wanted one has one and now the business is failing because they can't do their business anymore which is selling you know these 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 one and done things and so the business has to either pivot into selling another product or you know what they often end up doing like fucking with ink and printers they start nickel and diming people where oh you have to get a you know um you have to if you want to repair it or if you want to get more uh, cartridges or whatever you have to pay this obscene amount of money right and then the new products they start making are just specifically designed such that you know you, you can't just you know buy it once and then use it you have to buy little pieces of it or little cartridges or little this that and the other right or you know now with cars you got to get updates and <laughs> or if you want to unlock a certain feature right you have to pay a little bit more right and so businesses are made more and more to nickel and dime people to not really completely solve a problem um, they're discouraged from doing that because it's not good business under today's economy and so a better world better businesses will be creating businesses that are designed to only exist as so far as they need to for it to solve this problem and they have it in their doctrine they have it from the beginning that says we're going to you know solve this problem in x amount of years and if we don't then we didn't do it right <laughs> or if we and if we did then yes then we dissolve the business and move on to another thing right and this might be scary for some people but it's probably less so scary today because people nowadays don't really have this assumption that people used to have you know in the, in the last century where you live where you work at this one place for your entire life people don't have this idea anymore like they, they, that's just ridiculous similarly you know for the next uh, the rest of this century or the next century hopefully people will have this idea that you businesses don't have to exist you know for a long period of time that businesses it's not that businesses should like just fail and die like which happens naturally but that businesses are designed to only exist for a certain amount of time that it takes to solve that problem and once that problem is solved the business dissolves so people say okay we're going to go do something else now right and that means that cooperatives will be centered more around people who want to work together rather than simple simply products that they're trying to build right so people are working together not because not only because they want to just build this problem build this product or solve this problem but because they enjoy working together right and so you can still have teams that persist across products across businesses right um and then people are yeah i'm running out of time so I'm probably just, I'm just probably just going to continue in the, in the new segments, <laughs> but yeah, all that's to say that people will be encouraged to cooperate um, as a team across these types of businesses. Um, let me end it here and then me just start a new segment. All right, yeah. So, still more to say about businesses. This is this is a lot to say, but yeah, um, trying to get to the point where I'm saying like 
people will want to work together, right? Because they enjoy people, right? They enjoy the people that they work with. And of course, you can have you can have some examples where, or some occasions where people, you know, only get together because they care about the problem. But you know, if they if they don't have to like after the problem is solved and dissolved, they don't have to join the team again. Like maybe they don't want to get back together; they just want to go work with somebody else, and that's completely fine too, right? Or maybe they leave in the middle of the project because their part is done, or they just don't want to work there anymore. That's fine too, right? <laughs> the point is that there's there's freedom to do whatever you want um, at that moment. And of course, there'll be some businesses or groups that do just keep pivoting. They say, okay, we solved this problem, we solved this product, same business, but now let's solve this adjacent problem or, or, or product that we saw while we were doing the other thing, right? But that focus will allow them to say, okay, no, let's, let's focus on this thing here. And once we realize that, oh, this is a bigger thing, or this is, you know, we're gonna need more stuff here, instead of just biz- building the business endlessly, they say, hey, actually, you go start another business, right? If you care about this part of the problem, somebody starts another business that can be related, <laughs> but you know they could just start that business to solve that other problem, right? And you can even have people, businesses that compete still, right? Because competition is important, right? But there's this underlying sense of cooperation that we're all trying to solve the same problem, right? Our job is not to push the other business out of out of business right it's not to uh, you know destroy the other business the problem the the point is to solve the problem as best as we can right and so it's kind of like playing a sport right um to understand right (laughs) uh oftentimes a a good team in a sport right doesn't just want to destroy the other team but they want to do the best they can at that sport right they want to score the most points or you know do it in the the best manner uh, the best possible way and stuff like that and so, um, and of course, there, there are regulations, there are rules. So you can't just punch the other person or whatever, <laughs> right? And, and that's important to note because in today's competition, in today's world, competition can be very, you know, cutthroat in a way. You can do very, quite, quite, quite frankly, unethical things because there's very little regulations. And the idea of regulating is often frowned upon in, in places like America. Um, because it's assumption that it limits innovation <laughs> when in reality it can be like sports where no you're not limiting innovation you're limiting people doing terrible stupid stuff to each other um because they're focused more on destroying the opponent as opposed to you know being the best that they can be um in and of themselves and so yeah you can have multiple businesses trying to solve the same problem quote-unquote competing um, or they can just be cooperating, right? They say, okay, you solve that side of the problem, we're going to solve this side of the problem, right? Um, and overall, I think that will encourage more types of uh, cooperation and more actual innovation. Because <laughs> what's another interesting thing, right, is that innovation and creativity does not come from competition. It comes from being feeling safe, right? It comes from feeling comfortable um, that you can share your ideas, that you can be a little wild they can be like okay i'm gonna say a bunch of stuff maybe they're not real maybe they're not viable or this that, and the other but here's some ideas right and you just experiment you just try some things and then you know you realize oh wow this 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 works this is pretty cool right um and if you don't have the psychological safety to express those types of ideas to experiment to do those sorts of things then you can't um be creative right you, you you can't really innovate you can't really do much there 
And you see that once again at many companies to this day, the types of places that don't encourage, um, that are just competitive and don't encourage collaboration or freedom of thought or, you know, psychological safety, um, those highly competitive places are less creative than the places that are psychologically safe. Um, similar for overall humanity, when people have a, um, a base level of, uh, of uh, their needs being met, right? When they don't have to be, they don't have to worry or be stressed about, you know, getting a certain amount of, you know, money for, for food or for housing or for this, that, and the other, then they can be more creative, right? Because they spend more mental energy on creative aspects rather than on trying to survive, and that's that should be obvious, but oftentimes it's kind of pushed under the rug and say, "Oh, you just didn't work hard enough, or you just didn't, you're not creative, or this, that, and the other." When in reality, it's just because people are fucking poor or struggling. Um, so yeah, I want to end this section talking about some ideas for these different businesses. Right? I think, like I was trying to lead up to, is that. The types of problems that people solve, the types of businesses that people build, I think would be way, way better in a world where you have these anarchistic businesses. Some examples are um, actually solving the food problem, right? Which will come from uh, creating, making it easier for people to grow foods in their own yards or in their apartment or in their, you know, whatever area that they're in, right? Instead of Monsanto trying to monopolize everything and I put fucking IP on plants <laughs> and all this other stuff. Instead, it'll be open source. It'll be encouraging as many people as possible to study, you know, genetics uh, and how to grow plants in your yard or this, that, and the other, how to use less water, um, how to use these ecosystem-based systems to handle insects that would eat your stuff. So instead of getting a pesticide to kill the things of the, like the, the beetles or whatever that eat your plants, instead you get, you know, a lizard <laughs> that will eat them. Right. Um, so these types of examples, right. So you can have businesses that say, okay, we've done some experiments or we, we've planted some stuff. We figured out, oh, this is a great way to, to build, you know, or to, to grow food in this environment. Here's how you can do it, right? And they give people the the plans. They give they can even if it's there's just so much variety here. Like you can you can have a, a businesses a business for you know developing how how to how to build um, you know a garden in your yard. Have another one for how to build you know a garden in your apartment. Have another one for how to build an aquaponic system, an aeroponic system, a, a um, hydroponic system, right? <laughs> you can have another one for, you know, genetically modified foods that are actually safe to eat and nutrient dense. You can have another one for how to create an ecosystem at your house to handle insects and plants and all this other stuff, right? You can have another one for, <laughs> you see what I'm getting here? Like, you can have all these businesses that are super focused on actually solving these different types of problems, right? And they're not worried about um, the people no longer leading them because that's the whole point, right? The, the the business is is successful um, with the as with the if people who have the product no longer need them and or right 
if people don't even need their product because they got it from their friends. The business will also be successful because the business, the success of the business, right, will be on did the problem get solved, right? And we can even reward this on a societal level by putting like a leaderboard, right, type of thing, right, by building a a a, a website or a town um, home or news center or whatever that said that that basically says okay, you know, X amount of businesses are trying to solve this problem, right? This is their progress. Right, and and when the problem gets solved, all those businesses get rewarded. Right, it could be as simple as giving them credit that says, you know, this person worked at this business and they solved this problem. Right, it could be as simple as that, or it could be you know um, monetary, like giving tax revenue towards the people that work there or something like that, or you know, dividends from you know a universal basic income or some other type of thing. Now again. My goal personally is to live in a world where we don't worry about money, where money is no longer a a, a thing we even think about. Um, or if it is, then it's only really used for very niche things that you can't borrow or, or get from your friends or get from the gift economy or this, that, and the other, right? The point here is that we don't want to create a system that's basically just like today, like with stocks, but good, <laughs> right? But for positive capitalism. Because that will almost... That will... N- necessarily corrupt and destroy the system right or necessarily turn it into something where people no longer care about the problem but instead pushing those numbers up because of the famous (laughs) you know um effect god lee i'm just forgetting my words today I've said it a couple of times in other podcasts, but there's a famous effect that has been studied quite a few times that shows that when people, when you turn something into a metric, right? Um, when you turn a goal into a metric, uh, or when you turn a metric, or goodness, what's the, what's the, I forgot exactly how it goes, but basically, when, <laughs> you know, um, when you try to use metrics for a goal, it ceases to become a good goal or whatever, right? Where, where people turn that number into the goal. And they no longer care about the actual goal. Like, for instance, if you want to, you know, lose X amount of pounds, right, or reach this type of weight, then you start caring more about reaching that weight or losing X amount of pounds than the actual goal, which is being healthy, <laughs> right? Because it may be that your your personal healthy body weight is actually at Y amount of pounds or you know, lose or gaining more weight, right? Like your body type or whatever, your situation or whatever might be that, you know, that goal, those metrics, those numbers are completely, you know, wrong. Uh, Or even if it was right at some point, you trying to do everything you can to get there, like maybe you, you know, instead of, of, of working out, you know, um, to get there, you start trying to take pills, right? <laughs> you start trying to, uh, you, you develop an eating ha- uh, eating disorder, right? Like all that, this stuff happens all the time because when you turn something into a metric and when that metric becomes like the main reward system, right? Or whatever, then the goal, you lose track of the goal, right? And this is seen writ large with the stock market. It's supposed to, you know, reward things like innovation, or solving problems and, and things like that, but what happens, right? It just rewards growth at all costs. It rewards uh, bringing that number up, right? <laughs> up and to the right, right? Regardless of the actual situation, right? At one point, Google and these companies and things like that were actually 
solving problems. We're actually doing amazing things, right? The fact that we have, we can search the internet is amazing. But then they completely lost track to the point where many people consider Google as worse than it used to be, right? Like it's harder to find things online now because of how much they changed their algorithm to encourage more clicks or more ads or this, that, and the other, right? More people, a lot of people don't even trust Google searches anymore because they think it's rigged to, because <laughs> it's biased one way or the other. And they're probably right, right? <laughs> Not because Google wants it to be, but because they created an algorithm that rewards, you know, that is, that is meant to, to, to try and get more ad revenue, right? Up and to the right. <laughs> so again, the point here is that we need to create an entire system, an environment that encourages the right types of behaviors. And that environment does not does not focus on money. That environment does not focus on, you know, trying to growth at all costs. That, that, that environment does not focus on competition. It focuses on collaboration, on solving important problems, on, you know, um, creating self-sustainability, on, you know, creating environments where you don't have to, you know, um, do all these other things just to survive, where surviving is a given, <laughs> all right? So, yeah, I could probably say a bunch of other businesses I had. I, 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 I sent a bunch in the message. I probably just, this part would be better in the, in the newsletter, this part, because I could just, you know, really list out those businesses and, and say them all, all right there. But um, take that example that I gave with food and extrapolate that to pretty much any big business, any type of big problem, I should say. You know, because this is another point, right? Like, big businesses are almost always less effective <laughs> than small businesses, right? It's almost always better to have a small business with like 10 to 50 people, maybe 100 at most or something like that, really focus on a problem. And if you need more than that, break it off into another business, right? There's no reason why you need a thousand person business or 20,000 people in the business or more, right? There's really not any reason. Things like Amazon, like that can be better supplied by a bunch of businesses working together, right? And this is another reason why it's so hard to do this today is because we don't encourage that collaboration, right? Because instead of, um, sorry, I, look, I just looked up and there's this giant streak in the, in the sky. So it's hilarious. It's kind of cool, but also kind of weird. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, when a, buzz, a bunch of, in our current society, right, it does not encourage people to, these different businesses to work together to solve a problem right it doesn't encourage fedex to work with ups to work with amazon because amazon's going to be like oh here's a whole bunch of um um stuff and you better supply it all to the to 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 the to the people's delivery on a on the date that we set you know i don't care what other stuff that you have and if you don't then people are going to blame you for ruining christmas or whatever which amazon has done <laughs> right it does not encourage that cooperation and encourages these really terrible cutthroat um systems so instead to encourage that collaboration, you have, you know, uh, once again, you make it a collaborative effort to solve a problem. Say, eh, yes, maybe we do want to have these one-day delivery things. So what does that encompass? Maybe one business is, you know, handling the warehouse. Another business is handling the deliveries. Another business is handling the, you know, the, the, the online portion. Another business is handling the, the sourcing, um, this, that, and the other, right? And each of them could focus on their vertical, right? And then, ha and then have a good handoff with the other one or you can even have another business that hands that handles the handoff between these different businesses <laughs> right um 
the point here is that again you don't have to have these huge big businesses do everything because not only are they less efficient but they become more and more unethical they become less and less um you know good <laughs> less and less able to actually solve the problem and usually are terrible places to work for very stressful they have all the power in the negotiation table and all this other stuff so yeah I need this to end there. I could probably go on, but I am very hungry and, th and thirsty. I did not eat breakfast. I need to do that. Um, my mouth is dry. But yeah, I think this is a good start for me. This definitely has jogged my 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 uh got my got my my brains going. So I'm probably gonna go inside, eat, and uh, write some of these ideas down that are still top of mind. And maybe I'll continue this another day, or just you know have it in my next newsletter. But as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for thinking with me. Let me know what you think. And uh, don't be afraid to be radical. Don't be afraid to be revolutionary. Keep being awesome. Love one another. Love yourself. And uh, yeah, have a good one. See you. Bye-bye.